0: Hi everyone, it's Leslyn Keith here again. I'm president of the board of directors at the Lipedema Project and director of research. Welcome to Living Well with Lipedema. Today I have an excerpt from a presentation that Siobhan Huggins and I did for Keto Chow. It was a meetup that was held in Draper, Utah on July 15, 2023. Keto Chow has been a sponsor of several Lipedema Simplified events Siobhan and I really like their products. In this excerpt, Siobhan and I are talking about managing lipedema symptoms with complementary treatments, including ketogenic nutrition. There's some complementary treatments. I listed a few of these that are here, but there's much, much more. But any course of treatment with a certified lymphedema therapist could involve these things as well. So you can have the massage, the compression, the exercise, and the skin care, but you might also, if they're versed in it, get some nutritional counseling. You might have what's called cupping, dry needling, myofascial release. These are all different manual techniques. Deep oscillation is a vibration technique. Many women with lipedema might also have pelvic floor issues, and so to get that addressed at the same time will be very, very helpful. And daily self-care, what would that involve? It could be dry brushing, taking Epsom salt baths, water exercise. We got to do that (laughs) while we were here. Using a pneumatic pump, that's a sleeve that fills with air distally and moving proximally and then releasing, so it's helping to, it's kind of like a, a mechanical way of doing the massage to help bring the fluid towards the trunk. Using a vibration plate, doing meditation and deep breathing also very good at activating the lymphatic system. So just a few of those complementary treatments and self-care strategies could really help. And just very briefly, of, on those surgical options, there has been some fantastic papers written on a liposuction by the surgeons themselves. And of course, they're picking their successes. But They have had pretty spectacular reduction in pain especially, not just the size of the limb, but in pain going down when you remove the pathological fat. Now we need to now support that with non-invasive treatment so that the fat doesn't just come back. So doing liposuction can be very effective as part of an overall program. Bariatric surgery can help if you also have obesity on top of the lipedema. And then if there is a damage and impairment to the lymphatic system, having that lymphatic microsurgery can help. It's really important to make sure that you're not just going to a plastic surgeon who says, oh, yeah, liposuction, I do that. I know all about lipoedema. Got to make sure that they really do know about lipedema. So getting a lot of opinions on that Carefully weighing those risks and benefits because any kind of surgery does have risks and make sure you're feeling like that's going to be something that's good for you. And then if you do decide to do surgery, that you're doing that very good preparation beforehand and follow up with your certified lymphedema therapist afterwards to make sure you have good healing.
1: All right, so I wanted to focus more on this ketogenic piece because I think... When we talk about diet in general, there can be this impulse to say, okay, we're just doing it to lose weight. And we know that is not the case when we're using keto for things like bipolar disorder or depression, epilepsy, all those things. And it's the same sort of thing with lipedema. It's not just about weight loss. Yes, that can definitely happen. I've experienced it, plenty of others have too, but we're looking at it as a therapeutic diet for this condition. So, Just a couple of things. What are the management areas that we wanna focus on when we're working with lipedema, doing basically anything? So one of them is prevention of further fat gain. We do not want this to progress. We wanna stay at a healthy weight as much as possible. And then obesity reversal as well, if they also have obesity. And then swelling reduction, of course, if we can help with that, help reduce some of the stress on the system so it doesn't have to work that hard. And then lymphatic support as well. So along with reducing the swelling that's there, can we help the lymphatics work even better? And pain reduction, definitely. Elimination, if possible, is the ideal. And pain has such a massive impact on mobility. If it hurts to move, you're not going to be able to move as much. If it hurts to live, it's not going to be as easy to live. And we want people to be able to live their lives. So focusing on pain reduction is a massive, massive part of this. Maintaining overall health of the tissue. So it's not just that we gain fat and it's like fat in anybody else. There is inflammation within the tissue, there's fluid within the tissue, there's fibrosing, which Leslin mentioned. So scarring of that tissue. So we do wanna make sure that that tissue is as healthy as possible in the hopes that it's gonna help prevent some of that scarring and fibrosing, we can keep it happy and working like it should, basically. And then I've also added a bonus here because I'm not sure it's like the standard with lipedema necessarily, though I've seen other researchers mention it, but connective tissue support, which we'll get into. So inflammation first. The cardinal signs of inflammation, I'm sure you've heard of them, pain, swelling, heat, and redness. So we can see a lot of these signs in lipedema tissue as well. So pain, for example, that may be a sign there's inflammation in the tissue. Fibrosis and extensive scarring, like I just mentioned, that can happen as a result of either persistent inflammation or very severe inflammation. So think of getting an injury. The inflammation happens that can help signal to scar tissue as a protective response, but not fantastic if it's inhibiting function. And then swelling as well. You might not necessarily think of it this way in terms of lipoedema, but an interesting aspect is that we can also see swelling flares in terms of food sensitivities, potentially high carbohydrate diets in some people, psychological stress, extreme stress. People may report having flares in this swelling, they suddenly start swelling, nothing else has changed, it's just because they went through divorce, they went through the death of a spouse, something like that. And all of these are potential inflammatory triggers which may mean that there may be this component here which also means we may want to address this to help prevent those flares. Yeah, so basically reducing that inflammatory environment as much as possible. If inflammation is playing a part here, then if we can reduce other sources of inflammation, that would be super helpful. Ketogenic diets and inflammation, a wonderful pairing. So people sometimes call ketogenic diets anti-inflammatory and I think one way to think of it is actually non-inflammatory. So the inflammatory triggers that were in the diet are reduced with ketogenic diets in a lot of cases. But there are some other things. We can see probably that aspect in terms of seeing reduced inflammatory markers in some studies, but then also the direct effects of ketones themselves. There seems to be some inflammatory regulating aspect to that, which is interesting. And then reductions in visceral fat. You may not connect that to inflammation, but visceral fat may come about from gut inflammation. And so if ketogenic diets are really good at reducing that, it may suggest it's actually reducing gut inflammation as well. And the lymph has a lot of involvement in the gut. (laughs) So another aspect of inflammation that we may want to address is metabolic syndrome. High blood pressure, high blood sugar, low HDL, high triglycerides, abdominal obesity, all of that falls into metabolic syndrome. And there's a couple of things here. So one of them is that Metabolic syndrome is often linked to low-level chronic inflammation. So if you think about lipedema, we don't want to add additional stressors on top of the problem that they already have. So if we can reverse metabolic syndrome, let's go ahead and do that. At the very least, it's not going to hurt them. And then also, super interesting, but in people with insulin resistance and poor metabolic health, potentially in general, we can see that they may be having a hyperinflammatory response to high carbohydrate foods in particular. So in this study, they were looking at high fat meals, high protein meals, high carb meals. It was the high carb meals that was causing not only a big blood sugar spike when they had it, high insulin spike as well, which may lead to fat storage that may not be fantastic for weight regulation, but also a big spike in inflammation post meal as well. So in terms of that, if we hear someone talking about, you know, oh, after meals feel really sluggish, I feel like my legs feel worse, maybe we should take a look at what they're eating. And by the way, the lean insulin sensitive people didn't respond like that to any meal. So this does seem to be a context thing.
0: Thank you, Keto Chow for having Siobhan and I make that presentation. We had a lot of fun, it was a great weekend. And I encourage you to check out the rest of that presentation, which I think is available through Lipidema Simplified. And I'd like to give a big thank you to all of you, our listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema simplifiedorg slash flash where you can find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes when they become available. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Living Well with Lipedema flash briefing.